Let him get that soon. Hmm? Let, him, let him catch a seat. All right, let's bow our heads real quick before we get started. Father God, thank you for this, uh, this beautiful day today. Father, we thank you for this people, and we thank you for the opportunity that uh, you have given us to be your vessel and to bless them. So, Lord, uh, bind up anything that would stand in the way of you hearing what they need to hear and anything that would stand in the way of us saying or being used by you to um, express your, your desire and your words. Thank you for um, blessing us and uh, watch over us as we get started. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so who remembers what we covered yesterday? This is the teacher coming out in me. Boot camp. We are on opposite sides of the page. Okay, very good. Anyone else? Spaghetti and waffles. Spaghetti and waffles. Food, there we go. Hey, hey. I like food too, you know. We have to get out of God's way. Gotta get out of God's way. Gotta get out, get out of God's way. I was speaking with someone yesterday and they said they remembered the words shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up and get out of God's way. Um, anyone else? Okay. Oh, you're yes. right there. Two sentences. Okay, well, got I've got serious. a summary here, so I'm just going to go over that. So, we did have a lot of fun learning about men and women yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. Um, that was a big part of basic training, which is what yesterday was about. Learning who we are as individuals. Learning what we are. We are soldiers in a battle with the enemy. Um, and who we are together, our rank and roll. We're equal in the sight of God as men and women, yet we have definitely defined different roles in Scripture. Um, let's see. We're made differently. We are made differently. Um, we learned that men have focus disease and women have spaghetti for brains. Women have spaghetti for brains. Ha ha. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Okay, men and women see things differently. We handle conflict differently. We approach difficulties differently. We can count on whatever we are looking at, whatever we are approaching, conflict, difficulty, or otherwise, that our spouse will see the exact opposite of what we see. And we learned that this was actually by design because we do not have the whole picture unless we come together to share what we see with each other and take the whole picture into account. Um, let's see. We learned that we are at war. The enemy will attack the marriage before anything else because it is a visual representation of God and his love and the Trinity as he stands in community. And we learned our roles in this army. Men are lovers, leaders, and providers. Women are helpers, managers, and lovers. And that by living out these roles the way we are designed, that we will die to self 
to serve the other just as Christ died for the church to serve his people. Does that sum it up in a nutshell? Okay, so the next thing that we want to consider as we remember who we are as soldiers is that we are in constant training for battle or we are in the depths of a battle. Um, And there is no such thing as an army of one. Did you guys ever see that commercial that was running? Was it in the 90s? No, it was probably 10 years ago. 10 years ago? The army of one? I am an army of one. You see the soldier running down this path all by himself. There's no such thing. Even in the military. You need the one to join, but then all of a sudden, the moment he signs the dotted line, he's more than one. Um, He or she. Um... Let's see, we did learn that it does take one to recognize that we're in a battle and that we are a soldier, dying to self and serving others. But when we look at our spouse, we need to realize that he or she is our battle buddy. So, battle buddy. What is a battle buddy? One of the things that I asked myself when we came up with this idea is, okay, is this biblical? And we looked and we found verses that answered that question. So what is about a buddy? Hebrews 10.24. Let us watch out for one another. It's one of the main things a battle buddy does. What is the purpose of a battle buddy? Galatians 6.2. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We help each other carry our burdens. What do you do as a battle buddy? Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. What should a battle, uh, who should be a battle buddy? Philippians 2, 4. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So as I started out writing this at home, I was sitting by myself. The house was quiet. She was laying down taking a nap. All the kids were out doing their own thing. And I need something in the background. I need, I need some kind of noise. So I turned on the TV and TBN and Mike Huckabee was up. His, his show, I'd never seen it before, but his show was on. I thought, well, that's interesting. And I'm struggling to find words. I'm kind of half paying attention to what I'm trying to write and kind of half paying attention to what's going on. And then all of a sudden, I hear, in the military, you're serving a larger purpose than yourself. And they were quoting this guy named Brady Pasola. Brady Pasola's a veteran. And he has an outfitter kind of a guided service kind of deal. And he takes veterans out on outdoors excursions. We spend a lot of time outdoors together. Men, outdoors together. So he gets these guys and he takes them out and they go hiking or fishing or hunting, whatever they do. And he took this one veteran out and they're, they're doing their thing. They get about halfway through their day and he looks over, they take a break, they look, he looks over and, and this guy's sitting on a rock eating a sandwich 
and he just lets out this huge sigh. I mean, just cleansing, and just huge. And Brady's like, uh-oh. So he walks over and says, hey, man, you okay? And the guy looked at him and says, I'm outside with people who understand me, sitting on a rock, enjoying nature, eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and nobody's shooting at me. It doesn't get much better than this. Brady is serving his fellow veterans in a purpose larger than himself. So if that's not just true in the military, it's true in life. See, what if we change that to in the family? We're serving a purpose larger than ourselves. What if we change that to in school? I'm a teacher. We're serving a purpose greater than ourselves. Um, what about in marriage? We say we're serving a purpose greater than ourselves. Or in church, we're serving a greater purpose than ourselves. That's really what it's all about. Learn to serve a larger purpose than myself. And the hardest part of learning this lesson is that I can't do it by myself no matter how hard I try or how much I want to. I have to have a partner. I have to have my battle buddy. So, I joined the Army in 1990. I knew early on that I was going to join the Armed Forces. Wasn't quite sure what. Um, I had aunts and uncles and different people and then Marines and Army and all this and I thought, I'll, I'll try the Air Force. And I went in, and the woman recruiter told me it'll be a year before we can even talk to you. And I said, no, that's all right. I don't want to wait that long. Talk to Marine. My recruiter was six-foot-tall, blonde-headed, blue-eyed. I mean, he was a, a uh, Marine Corps poster kind of looking guy. But he didn't talk to me. He talked at me. He didn't promise me anything, didn't tell me nothing. He talked at me. I wasn't interested in that. I went into the Navy, and I talked to their recruiter, and he looked at my ACTs and my ASVAB scores, and he wanted to put me in some nuclear program. I just read Hunt for Red October. I wasn't interested in any of that. I'm not, not that. So I walked into the Army recruiter, and the guy kicked back. He looked up at me, and he goes, what can I do you out of? It's like, okay. There's no smoke, no mirrors. He's not promised me anything that he can't give me. I signed on the dotted line. I thought I knew what I was getting into. Turns out I didn't. Not a clue. So the fun part of this is I'd never been on an airplane before. Okay? So at 5 o'clock in the morning, they put me on an airplane in Nashville, Tennessee. Right here. And they flew me to Memphis, Tennessee, and then they flew me to Little Kentucky. Perfect military logic, right? Makes sense later. I'd grown up around veterans all my life. I'd heard war stories all my life. I had friends whose dads were in Vietnam. I heard all their stories. My grandfather was a highly decorated World War II veteran. Co-workers that I had worked at, uh, had served in Korea. I'd read The Unlikeliest Hero. And I worshipped the ground that John Wayne walked on. I thought I had a pretty good idea of what military life was about. 
Turns out I didn't have a clue. I could regard you stories and all the things that had happened, but the one that I want to point out is the battle buddy. One of the first things that we learned about was our battle buddy. One of the first things that I got was a battle buddy. I wish that I remembered his name. I don't. We were in basic training. It was a long time ago. But I'm going to call him New York because he was from Manhattan or Long Island, somewhere up in New York. Now, if you remember right, her first college roommate was from where? New York. New York. We talked about that later, and we just kind of thought it was funny. So, when you receive your gear, one of the very first things you get is a shelter half. You get one tent pole, you get five tent pegs, and a rope. You have half of a shelter. In order for you to have a place to sleep at night, you have to have your battle buddies too. So, we're out on bivouac doing our thing. They get us to our bivouac site and uh, tell us where we can set up. And New York and I started putting up our pup tent. Well, really, I put it up, he watched. He'd never seen anything like that before. So, we put up our tent. And get ready for the night. They put us to bed. And about so 600 in the morning, I hear a blood-curdling scream, and my shelter half explodes. I look up, and he is standing up in his sleeping bag like this. And I'm like, dude, what's wrong? He said, spider! I look down, and there's a granddaddy long legs crumbling down his leg. <laughs> my job as a battle buddy at that point was to tell him, hey, dude, that's a granddaddy long legs. That thing's not going to bother you. <laughs> Apparently, he'd never seen one before. So... <laughs> what is a battle buddy? A battle buddy is a partner assigned to a soldier in the United States Army or in any military branch. Each battle buddy is expected to assist his or her partner both in and out of combat. Now, do you see all guys up there? No. Battle buddies are male and female. What is the purpose of a battle buddy? Battle buddies help each other deal with day-to-day -day stressors. That is why it's important for battle buddies to learn and know what pushes each other's buttons. Battle buddies also serve as an extra set of eyes and ears for one another. That picture says a battle buddy has your six. That's your back. Okay? I don't have to look back. I know he's back there. Okay? So who can be your battle buddy? Now, these pictures are very personal to me. Um... This is my buddy James. He was from Rhode Island, New York. We went to basic training together, wound up being stationed on Fort Carson together. That's James right there. We're a little bit older, a little bit longer in the tooth. Tall guy standing there beside the signs. That's Corporal Thurman. He was my TC. He was a sergeant over my track. That's he and his wife down there on the bottom. This guy right here, that's Patrick Allgood. Now that's him there in the striped shirt. He's got a little less hair now than he did then. Um, there's Dennis and Eric Schuler. This guy up here this, with, with no hair at all, that's Patrick Ken. I'll never forget Patrick. 
he had hair everywhere but on his head. He went and got a haircut one time, and the lady started shaving the back of his neck, and she said, well, honey, where's this in? He said, my toes. <laughs> These were my guys. They were all, at one point in time, a battle buddy. Is this still me? All right. In the military, during my short time, we were high, very high-stress environment. I was stationed on Fort Carson, like I said earlier. And I used to drink coffee watching the sun come up over Pikes Peak. My barracks was set up and you could look right out the big window and watch the sun come up over it. It was gorgeous. It was during Desert Shield and Desert Storm. We trained for combat all the time. Ready to deploy at a moment's notice. On call. People ask me all the time, well, did you get to go skiing? Did you go hike Pikes Peak? We serve. Go hike, go hike Pikes Peak. And I tell them, look, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, we, we went outside and trained 265 out of 365 days of the year. We got back to the barracks, I GI'd my room, and I did my laundry. That's about all the time I had. The men in my platoon were like family. We fought like cats and dogs amongst ourselves, but don't dare get in the middle of it. We shared food, ammo, fuel, emotions, memories, and stories. The most important person in my life was my battle buddy. He's the one that checked my gear. He made sure that everything was accounted for, strapped down, taped up, painted up, ammoed up, and armored up. I did the same thing for him. We had each other's backs. I watched for him for mental and physical fatigue, and we made sure that we slept enough, that we ate enough, and that we were regular. I heard a giggle there. That's fine. That's what I was looking for. And you can laugh too because I actually have had to take men to the medics because things weren't working like they were supposed to. Should I tell that story? Yeah, go ahead and tell so, that story. So that was a situation where a battle buddy went wrong. And I was a driver. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we had jerry cans that we used for water on our, our Humvees. And one of our jobs was to take this little vial of chlorine, put a little bit of water in it, break that vial and pour that chlorine in there, swish it all around, but you had to make sure that you got all that out and it all dried out. And then you rinsed out your jerry can. Well, this little driver didn't do that. He put it all in there, he shook it all up, and he poured it out, put the lid back on, and put it back on his track. Sat there for who knows how long, we go down range and he fills the jerry cans up. People start drinking out of it. All of a sudden we have a guy start getting sick and everybody's trying to figure out well, why are these guys getting sick? Finally boiled it down to two vehicles, mine and his, because they tested everybody else's water. I said, no, Sergeant, my water's straight. It's clean. I did what I was supposed to do. Well, they finally figured it out that he was his vehicle, got his water cans, and they gathered all the guys up and put, us, put them on two Two Humvees, and we had guys hanging at windows off the back of this thing. They had toilet paper in their hands, and we drive two miles to the medics. And we come flying in the skid to the stop, and the medics said, "Man, it looked like a Keystone Cops." He said, "Guys, come flying out of them Humvees, and they hit every bush, tree, and Portage on in sight." So, battle buddy can go wrong. Don't. don't. So, as I experienced the military version about a buddy, I quickly came to understand 
that God gave me about a buddy early in life. Um, Here, I'll be Vanna. Here we go. Why are you losing power? I didn't step on anything. That's interesting. Okay, you know how to do this better than I do. That's okay. Let's kind of cool down a second. Yeah. All right. So, I have a younger brother that, uh, you ever heard of an Irish twin? Anybody heard it? Yeah. Brian, you are. My brother Brian's 10 months younger than I am. Okay? God gave me a battle buddy very early in life. We survived poverty. We survived abuse. Um, we survived hunger uh, together. I had him and he had me. And to be honest with you, I don't know what my life today would look like if it hadn't have been for my brother. Amen. Okay? He was my battle buddy early in life. He had my back, I had his. I like that. I heard that growing up a lot. My dad is a Vietnam vet. So having your six means a lot to me because I also had a battle buddy earlier in life. Not as early as him. We're further apart than that. But my brother, Jerry, he and I also had each other's backs, um, both early in life and late in life. Um, he and I... Like I said, aren't so close in age, but I said my dad is a Vietnam vet, and he does suffer from PTSD. Um, that wasn't always that difficult for me. Um, he made a very conscious effort. I'm the oldest. He made a very conscious effort not to let that interfere with his parenting um, with me, even though it did spill out sometimes. Um, but with my brother, my dad was wa raised by a very authoritarian man and um, for some reason he decided that his boy is going to be raised like him and his brothers and he really gave my brother a hard, hard way to go, rough way to go and uh, I had his back. I even stood up to my dad who I was actually afraid of um, in those moments whenever, um, whenever he was on my brother's back but um, girls that didn't have the greatest reputations would come after my little brother and I'd pull him aside and tell him what for and what to expect from big sister. And then after my divorce, my brother is the one that had my back. Um, he knew the guys in the area. Anyone that did not have good intentions, I did not know this. I was beginning to wonder if I was attractive. But he was pulling them aside, telling them exactly what he was going to do to them and how if they didn't leave me alone. So I think he scared most of them off. But um, my brother, he was, he was my battle buddy. Um, and when Eric described this concept to me, that's when I realized... This happy cheesing fella right there, he was my very first battle buddy. That's Jerry. Oh, and I was going to show you. This is Eric. Mm. Isn't he cute? <laughs> and this is his battle buddy, Brian, his, yep. his uh, Irish twin. 
So later in life, God gave me another battle buddy. It was on an August afternoon, just before school started. And it was 1987. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And this pretty little blonde was walking down the hill, and I turned and looked, and the sun was shining on her, and she smiled at me, and everything stopped. Now, it took me That's 20 so years, <laughs> but I finally convinced her to marry me. But I have a, pr- a proof, I have proof that we went to school together, and she did go to banquets with me. Is that you? That's yes, me. ma'am. That's both of us. Yeah, this is Eric. And let me tell you, this is me. She's a lot more interesting and a lot more fun than the other battlebellies have had. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is you're the same. It's the same. The roles are different. I have the role of her battle buddy husband, and she has the role of my battle buddy wife. I make sure that she has what she needs to run her home, take care of her kids, has the emotional support, gets the rest that she needs, and do all the things that a wife does. Now he says that I keep him grounded. Honestly, I think I just keep him from taking himself too seriously. She keeps me young. (laughs) Whenever I met him in those days, I called him an old soul. Um, He did take himself himself way too seriously. And um, I think I was probably not taking myself seriously enough. So 20 years later, when we finally did get together, he... Brought me down to earth just a little bit, and I pulled him out of his seriousness just a little bit. Now we just she have got fun. a little older, and I got a little younger. <laughs> um, but I watch for his stress and his fatigue. I make sure he gets the rest that he needs. I keep him healthy by making sure he has the food available for his particular um, health issues. And I also make sure that the kids stay out of his way when he hasn't eaten in a few hours. See, my fellas, the fellas in my house, we have what we call hangry. Have y'all ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. First you get hungry, and then if you haven't eaten in a while and you're still hungry, you start to get angry. We call it hangry. And typically, my guys don't realize that they're hangry until I put a plate of food in front of them. A few bites later, the anger dissipates and all is right with the world. But sometimes, just like his story on the battlefield, the battle buddy can go wrong at home. Let me tell you a story. So it was the first year that we were married. Um, In my previous marriage, uh, my husband worked. I worked. Uh, We came home. He sat down, propped his feet up, watched the game. I came home, started preparing dinner. And then fed the family. And if you remember, I have one daughter from my previous marriage. She was very little at the time. And so then I would clean up after dinner while he went back and watched the game. And then after I cleaned up after dinner, I took her upstairs to give her a bath and get her ready for bed. And by 10 o'clock, I got to sit down. At that point, he's ready to go to bed. I just wanted to sit, decompress. I hadn't had that opportunity yet. So I prayed. Hmm. When I got out of that relationship, whenever everything fell apart, I started praying that I wanted a, a man, and now I realized I was asking for a battle buddy. I wanted a man who would help me, that would see me when I got fatigued and make sure that I got rest 
who would see me whenever I needed help and make sure that he came alongside me and we worked together. You see how that works? I prayed for a battle buddy, and then God gave me one. And the best part is, when we were, when I was in the kitchen cooking dinner, he was right there by my side, cleaning up as I could. <laughs> now, <laughs> I grew up with my mother as a food service director. Okay, so whenever you cook, you clean as you cook. Okay. That's how I came up and the way I was taught. So I bring that mentality and that skill into her kitchen. But you don't clean up before you, you're done with the utensils. <laughs> okay, so picture it. This happened over and over again. I got burgers on the stove. I'm running around making sure the kids are doing what they're supposed to. I'm flipping something else on the other burner, and I'm stirring the corn, and, you know, all is good, and I come back to flip the burgers, and the spatula is gone. (laughs) Gone. That's never happened to me before. And I'm going, where's the spatula? Probably in the sink. (laughs) Why is it in the sink? There you go. Why is it in the sink? I thought you were done with it. And that's about what it looked like, too. I go over to the sink. My burgers are burning at this point. I have to scrub the spatula. I have to rinse the spatula. And because I'm flipping burgers and don't want hot grease flowing up in my face, I have to dry the spatula and go back over to the stove to flip the nail-burnt burgers. And this did not happen once. Or twice. Or twice. (laughs) Or three times. We're a year into our marriage and I am so frustrated I cannot see straight he has not figured it out that this is not okay I'm on my way home and I knew there was a point of contention between us where the kitchen is concerned I have made up my mind I'm coming home tonight I'm going to help her in the kitchen but if she goes sideways if she's cross with me I'm walking out of it and she can have it I'm done he said he swore he'd never walk into the kitchen again Now, I had prayed for this. Have you ever heard, be careful what you wish for? (laughs) No, but really, it was helpful now. Um, But in the whole time that he is having this conversation with himself, that he is done, just done. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit just knock you upside the head? Like, I mean, like face first into the steering wheel kind of. He did. And I start giving these thoughts in my head. You prayed for a man who would stand beside you in the kitchen. You prayed for a man who would notice when you needed help. You prayed for the man that I gave you and look at you. That's what I'm hearing in my head. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, please forgive me. I realized what I had done. And then I just saw pictures in my head of the face that he had made and how I had tore him down piece by piece for a year. And I felt so bad. So then, I'm making tacos tonight. And I go in, 
and I get the burger out and I get it all cooked and then I'm putting my seasoning in you know when you put you put water in the burger after it's cooked so the water can go down and the seasoning gets all mixed up in what you're fixing and then you've got to stir that up a little bit with the um, spatula so the burger doesn't burn okay so the water cooks down I come back in I look down Guess what's missing? My spatula. And I look over at him and I go, where's the spatula? And he does this right here. Probably in the sink. And I go, <laughs> and I walk over to the sink. That was a big smile if you guys didn't see that. I'm just like, hey. And I walk over to the sink. And I scrub it, and I rinse it, and I dry it real quick. And I walk back over, and I stop before I get to the stove. And I looked up at him, and I said, thank you. And I went back over, and I started doing what I was doing. And he was dumbfounded. <laughs> he didn't know what to think. I'm ready for a fight. That's the <laughs> one I got. So I did it wrong. I didn't notice when my battle buddy was actually doing what I needed him to do. And I almost got rid of him. Mm. So then we started looking at our roles and who we are and how we're supposed to help one another and what the Bible says about what we're supposed to be to each other. And I started noticing when he, start, when he had my six. I had people that I came in contact with that would want to tear me down. And I didn't have to handle it. He had my back. The Bible tells us, therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And that's what he did. In spite of me. So after Vaughn and I figured out who we were and the war that was waging against us and the roles and rank that uh, there was something missing. Okay, I figured, I, I was feeling that something just still wasn't right. We're praying for, for each other. We're praying for ourselves. Um... We were addressing each other together, approaching issues together. Um, my favorite prayer that he made during this time as we're learning our rank and roles is he prayed that he have a heart for me. I love that. Um, but I still felt like something was missing. I went to church and heard different couples talking about the devotions that they had together and the prayer life that they had together. And I wanted that. But again, I was somewhere he wasn't. Now at this point, we're both in ministry together. We're in prayer ministry. We're talking to people about men's ministry, about women's ministry, about praying for your marriage. But we're still not, we're not having our devotions together. We're not praying together. So, I bought a book. So she brought me this book, I got it right here, and approached me the idea with doing prayer, a prayer journey together. And it's a prayer, it's a 40-day prayer journey and devotional. And I'm pretty sure she knew what it was before she got it, but she told me that the book required a partner, something to do one with the prayer journey with, and she would ask me if I would do it with her. So being the good battle buddy that I am, I agreed. 
the concept of the book is to select five people individually, so a total of ten people, that you're going to pray for. And it outlines what to pray for yourselves and then that you pray for them. Okay, so as soon as we started praying for our 10 people, literally all hell broke loose. Have you guys ever experienced that? Yeah. Okay, so, um, oop, I lost my place. So we picked up our 10 people, and then our gas went out. It's like February. Got this big old farmhouse. We're in the middle of working on it, and... We're in the middle of a move. Yep, we're moving out of it, and... We run out of gas. Completely unexpected. So then we have to only pack and move when it's warm. A little at a time. Very little at a time. And then on top of that, my daughter, <laughs> who has never done anything out of line, and it kind of made me feel better because I've worried about her not being a normal teenager. But um, she's always been scared to death to step out of line and not follow the rules. So she's always been on the straight and narrow. And then she decided to commit academic suicide. Were you going to say something? Go ahead. She had decided to cheat the Academy's Wi-Fi. The one thing that she decided to do to step outside the line could have been considered a federal offense. The only thing that she had in her favor was that over half the student body did the same thing. So we couldn't suspend them all. So we found alternative ways to discipline the students who cheated the Wi-Fi. Um, and then, right after that, on a completely different issue, my daughter starts getting depressed. First time in her life she's ever ever battled depression. She does battle anxiety, but which you know you can see that in her walking the straight and narrow just because she's afraid to step outside the lines. But she fought. She started fighting depression. All of this, like day three, <laughs> on this forty-day journey, mm -hmm. and um, so we're working through that. Her grades start declining dramatically she's not turning work in okay so we're trying to work through this with her and then let's see what else oh I don't know about you guys but when I'm in a conflict you can come at me all you want but you leave my babies out of it do you know where I'm coming from on that okay so the thing is if we are complacent like we had been there for a while, the enemy doesn't bother us. We're not a threat to him. Now, we had fought for our marriage, and we had started edifying one another, and the enemy figured he had lost that battle, and he left us alone, and he did not throw anything else at us. So we were on our happy, merry way until we decided that we were going to start praying. And when we started praying, we got hit from all sides. And those are just the three things that first came to mind when we were putting this together. So when we started lifting others up in prayer, we became a force that he felt he needed to eliminate. He started attacking the people on our prayer list. And one of the people on my prayer list 
was my mentor teacher. When you become a teacher, they assign you a mentor, someone who has more experience than you and kind of guides you along the way. Well, my mentor teacher has triplets. Okay, she's, she's my age. And I start praying for her, and I mean, it went crazy for this poor woman. I felt so bad. Her brother-in-law had to have a pacemaker put in, but like within two days. Um, her oldest boy plays baseball, broke his leg. Her daughter had a car wreck. No, no, no. Her other son had a car wreck. Her daughter came down with narcolepsy. I mean, all this stuff started happening. And I kept praying for her. Her brother-in-law came through the surgery fine. Her son's leg healed. The break wasn't as bad as it could have been. They figured out how to treat her daughter. The ship started to right side, right size up. The one son actually walked away from the wreck with not a scratch. Mm-hmm. So even though we knew that all this was happening, she kept coming to school praising God. My son's fine. My daughter's fine. We're going to get through this. So hearing that testimony as we're praying was getting me excited. And then one of the people on my list was my sister. And I didn't tell her we were praying for her specifically, but God had put her on my heart. Now, we had taken some time before we actually started this, after we discussed it, we then started praying for God to put on our hearts who we were supposed to pray for. And my sister was one of them. And so we just started praying. I didn't know what to pray for. There were things that I saw that I thought needed fixed. So I started out praying those things. And part of it was her relationship with her husband. They hadn't figured out yet that they were battle buddies. And uh, things were tense at times. And then one day, well, they would come to visit my my parents. And um, when they would get ready to leave... My brother-in-law would go back, lay down on the bed, and look at his phone while my sister packed up the suitcases, packed up both girls, lugged all the luggage out to the You see what I'm saying? I started praying. She needed a helper. She needed someone to come alongside her, too, because she was doing all the work. She was the spiritual leader of the home. She was doing this. She was doing that. Now, I will tell you that I tried to help. I volunteered. I asked. She refused. She said, no, that's that's her job. job. <laughs> that's exactly so, what she said. I did try. Okay. So then I put her on, you know, God put her on my prayer list and we started praying. And she called me a few days in. It was probably about a week. She called me and she was fit to be tied. He did this. He did that. He won't do this. I'm done. No, I'm not going to throw him out the window, but some days I really want to. What am I going to do? Sis, talk to me. You know, and so I was like, well, um, so I've been praying for you guys. <laughs> and uh, she's like, oh, okay. So then we started talking. And I was like, okay, now I know specifically what to pray for. We're going to keep praying. And it just got worse. <laughs> and she got to the point where she wanted me to stop praying. She knew I was praying for her, And she wished that I would just stop. And then one day she hit her knees. 
she had left the church. She had walked away for a while, still believing God. There was some other stuff going on. She hit her knees. She owns her own business. And she said, God, I give up. Do what you want to do. I give you my business. I give you my family. I give you my home. I'll live on the streets if I have to. Just do what you want to do with me. And the next day, someone she went to school with that I worked with at Highland Academy called her up and said, Hey, I had someone, a female sponsor, drop out of our mission trip to Belize. You went on the very first one to the same location with me when we attended Highland. Do you want to go? The ticket's already bought. All you have to do is show up. So she went, I don't know what he wants me there for, but I guess I'm going. So she packed up and she went to Belize and her husband realized while she was gone just how much she worked because he was responsible for the two girls under five. And he got his mama's help and he got his sister's help and he got his aunt's help. And then when she came home, he was so happy to see her. And then... The Lord started convicting her of the Sabbath. And he is not, he was not raised Adventist. He is not a Sabbath keeper. And then the opportunity arose for her, and she was dying for the whole iron sharpening iron thing in Scripture. She wanted godly friends. And then he got a call to move to North Carolina. His brother owns a business that he that needed, no, his cousin owns a business and he needed help. He offered in the moon lots of money, lots of kids, lots of people in their friend group that all go to church. They all have kids, her kids' age. She was excited. We need to do this. This is an answer to prayer, but all these people are not Adventists. And then she started feeling uneasy about it. And so we kept praying, Lord, show her what she's supposed to do. And then people started offering to donate money to her business to help it grow. Gifts of $5,000. Gifts to help make it grow. Now she's in a conundrum. What do we do? Do we stay here and work toward the moon or do we go to North Carolina and get the moon that we were promised by the cousin. And different things happened in this process. I won't go into the details. But he said, her husband said, I think my job is to stay here and help us own our own business rather than help someone else make money. And then the very next Sunday was Easter. And... She went to church with him and his family on Easter Sunday, and they were talking about how Christ rose on Sunday. And she says, well, you're always arguing that the seventh day of the week could be Sunday or Tuesday, but you're swearing the first day of the week is Sunday. So what gives? And for the first time, he was willing to listen. And now they've been talking about taking the girls to Sabbath school. And he's been talking about going to church with her on Saturday to try things out. And every one of our ten people have stories like this that we've been talking about, that we've been praying about, that we prayed for those 40 days. We continue to come together in worship as a couple. 
in devotional study and prayer for each other as well as for others as we lock arms and look out and face the enemy as battle buddies. We began to serve a greater purpose than ourselves. This has not only got the enemy's attention, but it did open the gates of heaven for our ten. We have other battle buddies in our lives as well. And we're running out of time. We got, we got a little bit of time. My other buddy, battle buddy's name is Bob. And Bob's in down in the right-hand corner. Um, he's a few months older than I am, but we're the same age. Um, my family's grown, pretty much, except for my youngest. But they're each other's battle buddies. Yep. Can you tell? He's got two toddlers. Okay. I'm driving down the road one day and I get a text. I don't know why God wants me in your life, but I sure am grateful that he brought you into my life. You're more than a helpful neighbor. You have become a true friend and an example who helps me to be a better man and a better father. Thank you. I'd pull over. I wasn't ready for that. But one of the things that we do and that we need are mentors. Bob and I mentor one another. So we're going to watch a couple of short videos here real quick. Mentoring. Mentor. It's important. Hey, honey, would you please help me with the dishes tonight? Why would I do that? Isn't that your job? Uh, excuse me? What do you mean it's my job? Isn't that what a woman's supposed to do? You are unbelievable. All I am doing is just asking you for a little help. I have been working all day long. <laughs> a little help? You know what? I'm good. I don't want to deal with you right now. Where are you going? I'm going to go to Earl's place to watch the game there. Because I'd rather be at Earl's place than be here doing your job for you. that supposed to mean? It means that we're in this together. You see, 
I don't expect my wife to clean the house by herself. Since we both live in it, we both do it because it's our home. And I don't expect my wife to do all the cooking. Since we both eat, we both cook. And I don't expect my wife to do all the laundry. We both need clean clothes, so we both do them together. I finally realized that helping out around the house doesn't make me any less of a man. And besides, it's not her job to do everything. It's a partnership. That's the difference. You know what, Earl? I gotta go home and handle a few things. But thank you for having me over. Take care. Sometimes in relationships, we can get really comfortable with one person doing the work that we start to view it as their job. It could be something as basic as doing laundry so there's always clean clothes, or taking care of dinner so there's always hot meals, or constantly taking care of the dishes so everyone has clean plates. We get so used to these wow. things being done for us, we can forget to even appreciate them. Okay. Let's get the next one. Yeah. Okay. So, did he have the right idea? Did was he being a battle buddy? You think he was? He became one later on, didn't he? Yeah. But he also had a battle buddy. Did you see that? He had someone. He had Earl. A male friend come up alongside him, Earl. And he, he was his battle buddy, too. How many of you guys really feel comfortable just, blah, like he did with just anybody? Gentlemen? Mm-mm. I'm talking to the men. I'm not talking to the women, because we'll, blah, to anybody who will listen. Okay, so. All right. So, we mentor one another, just like Earl did in the video, right? Okay. Bob just walked up to me one day in church and never seen him before. He shook my hand. Hi, I'm Bob. And I think we've been friends since. We found common ground in political beliefs, personal interests in our families, and our wives became fast friends. But we discovered there were some differences. I learned from him and he learns from me. We're the same age except his wife is just a little bit over 30. He has two young boys that he's raising. Mine are mostly grown, and my wife and I graduated in the same class. We're virtually all the same age. Last year, his mower broke down. He had no way to mow his yard. So I did what any good battle buddy would do. I took my mower, and I went over to his yard, and I mowed his yard all summer. Fourth of July weekend, he calls me after the fourth, and he says, man, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm like, well, you know, what's going on? He said, I had a cardiac episode. I'm like, okay, what's that? He goes, I'm not sure. I'm going to the doctor. Pray for me. So I prayed for him. And it became an episode to an event. And then it became, well, you're going to have to have a, a, a double bypass. And when they got into it, it became a quadruple bypass. It's my age. 
Okay? I did for Bob what he couldn't do for himself. I mowed his yard the rest of that the rest of that summer. I helped him move a chair in, electric recliner in so he could get up and get down. We babysat his boys. We helped his wife when we could. Okay? He's my battle buddy. So I too have another battle buddy besides this handsome strapping man. <laughs> Rhonda and her husband started going to our church, um, and I, I, to this day, I don't know why. They just showed up on our doorstep. They were both born and raised Baptist. Um, if you ask them today, they'd still tell you they are, they are Baptist, although recently they started keeping the Sabbath. And Rhonda is bipolar. She struggles with addiction, um, but she loves God with all her heart, mind, soul, and strength. And for whatever reason, she's decided to love me too. Um, when she feels lonely and emotions are pointing her toward substances, she calls me and we go out, we go to lunch, we do whatever. Whenever she notices that I'm getting too busy, which I, a couple of you ladies pointed out that that happens with me yesterday, whenever I get too busy, she will bring over a movie. Make me put the computer away, and we'll sit down and watch a movie. The last one she brought over was The War Room. So we've got each other's backs. We make sure that we don't get in too deep and get into waters over our head, and we make sure that we've got what we need to be able to take care of our families. So what does this look like in our spiritual lives? We're responsible for our partner according to Scripture. Their health, their well-being, and making sure their armor is fitted correctly, their weapon is functioning properly. We make sure a battle buddy gets enough, a battle buddy gets enough living water, bread of life, and rest. We encourage one another to take steps to make sure we get fed, go to church, women's groups, men's groups, and Bible studies. We pray for each other and together for others. Now, I'm going to be honest. This prayer ministry is running thing. That wasn't something that... Uh, was a passion of mine. That was my wife's calling. Now she fought it kicking and screaming, but it's hers nonetheless. My passion is men's ministry. Okay, guys, when I look around the church, I see islands of testosterone. Okay? I see a man, an island unto himself. Think about that for a moment. What's the first thing that God said wasn't good? Man to be alone. Now, maybe you think it's a stretch, but I think that beyond, goes beyond the spouse. Okay? We need other men. I believe that with all my heart. I look around the room and I see, see men that I don't have very much in com common with. We don't have, we don't have similar interests. I mean, we've got families and careers and things like that, but it just there's nothing there, nothing I can relate to, except Bob. Bob's a catalyst. He's a social butterfly. I'm not. He goes talk to this guy, and he goes talk to that guy, and the next thing I know, there's a group of us together. Wait a minute. We do have some things in common. He has once a year what he calls a dinner of infamy. Bob's a classically trained chef. If you ever get a chance to go eat at his house, 
I highly recommend it. It's very good. But he gets about 15 to 20 men together every year, one, one night a year. And we eat, and we talk, and we fellowship. It's an amazing experience. So women are social creatures by nature. Um, even when we're introverted, whether we're introverted or extroverted, if you, and um, Beth, Kristen, and I were talking about this yesterday, if you put two women in a room, they will manipulate the room to make it social. We will face each other so that we can chat. Even if there's stuff in the room to do, we will figure out a way to talk to one another. But um, how many of us really talk? I mean, really talk. We talk about how your outfit looks good. I love your shoes. had a really hard time getting the kids in the car. I'm frustrated. I had a great vacation. How was yours? But do we really talk? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do we really share what's going on? I know I've talked to a lot of women, at least in my church, and we've talked about how we're afraid to share who we really are because we're afraid we're going to be judged. Do I really share that that word slipped and then my son repeated it in front of Grandma? Do I really share that my marriage is falling apart and I don't know what to do? Do I share that my son is on drugs and I don't know what to do about it? Do we share? Do we talk to one another? Truly talk to one another? Well, I'm going to tell you now that it does take courage to talk to someone, to come up alongside another person um, and, and start talking about who we really are. But that's a battle buddy. A battle buddy knows us inside now because they know what to pray for. They know what to look for. They see when we're emotionally distressed because they know us. They see whenever we can't, when we just can't pick it up anymore, strength is gone because they know us. They see it. Even when we put on the smile and we say, oh yeah, I got this. You're good. You know, they know. They see it. And I too have a battle buddy. Um, if you think about it, Galatians 6.2 does say we have to carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens in this way and you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's what a battle buddy is all about. And I have a spiritual battle buddy who is also female. Now when she's going through her stuff, I tell my other battle buddy and I get him to pray with me for her and vice versa. And she and I pray together. We pray together for the girls um, in at Highland Academy. We have women's ministry in common. We have prayer ministry in common. We have ministry to teenage girls in common. So we found common ground. And a recent situation that we found ourselves in, she was distraught at a graduation ceremony um, for various reasons. And I saw it on her face. And so I came up to her when it was over and I asked her, are you okay? And she... Oh, good. And then later, when we're all at home doing our thing, I get a text message, and she says, I'm not good. I'm really not good. So, as a battle buddy, I left him where he was with the boy, and I went to her house, and I sat down with her, and we cried together, and we talked, and we prayed, 
and I encouraged and we got into scripture and we looked at this from God's perspective and by the end of it we joked a little we laughed a little and then I saw (sighs) she got what she needed I truly stepped up and was her battle buddy and she's done the same for me we've had those situations do we have time for that Let's just go on into Bible characters. Let's get that part. So, ladies, I want to talk to you about your battle buddy for just a second. He's your battle buddy, but he's not your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Those relationships are important. I'm not suggesting that he has free reign to go and complain about his wife, his marriage, his career, anything else like that. But I'm suggesting that he come in line with another man of God and sharpen himself to become better. Encourage your your husbands to find that battle buddy. Now, when we started doing this, I'm thinking, is this biblical? You know, are there examples of battle buddies in the Bible? And it hit me. One of my first examples, who said it? David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan, 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 3. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. I I can't describe a battle buddy any better than that. At all. Barnabas and Saul. Battle buddies. Acts 13.2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They tackled the enemy together in their ministry. And I want to do this one too. Paul and Silas, they're they're two of my favorite battle buddies just because I love to worship, I love to praise. And can you imagine in the middle of their worst day ever, they're in prison And they're rejoicing. They're singing praises to the Lord. And then what happens? Do you remember? Earthquake. There was an earthquake and the door swung open. They were free to go. And then what did they do? They hung out and prayed some more. And they got their praise on. All was good. And they were a witness that day. It says in Acts 16, 25 through 27, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prisoners' doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. And I got to think, too, well, are there examples of female Bible buddies in the Bible? Yeah, Naomi and Ruth. Ruth 1, 16 through 18. But Ruth replied, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. 
Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. That goes right up there with Jonathan and David for me. That's a true battle, Betty. Ruth took care of Naomi. She was too old to do so many things, and she fed her. She gathered the wheat. She took care of everything that Naomi needed that she could not take care of for herself. And Naomi was her mentor. Naomi taught her about God, got her a godly man, helped her entire family be be taken care of. Those are battle buddies, people. And one of the most important things you can do is pray for your battle buddy. Going back to the verses that we had at the very beginning, Hebrews 10, 24. Father God, let me watch out for my wife. Help me to keep an eye out over her, to watch out over my children, over my family, over my parents, over my brothers and my sisters, over my church. Carry one another's burdens in this way. You will fulfill the law of Christ. Heavenly Father, I need your strength because I can't do it by myself. But Lord, show me the burdens that I can help my battle buddy carry. My husband, my prayer partner, the women in women's ministry. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Lord, I want to do whatever you call me to do. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Father God, I am a sinful, selfish man. I'm conceited. And there's not a a humble bone in my body. Help me to not be selfish. Help me to consider others more important than myself. And Philippians 2, 4. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So Lord, I know you're going to take care of me. I know you've got me and you've sent me my own battle buddy. So Lord, help me look out for the interest of my battle buddy. Help me to see when he needs rest. Help me to see when she is emotionally distraught. And Lord, give me your words to be what I need to be for them. Choose your battle buddy. Some of us have been given one. We still have others. Come alongside them. Pray with them. Have their six. Have their backs. Did anybody have a verse that they might use in this situation? Possibly. I know we had some good ones earlier today at the Prayer time. Prayer time at one fifteen. No, that's fine. Um, yep. You want to close this in prayer? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Lord, thank you for showing us who we are in you and that reminding us that we are at war and that we are soldiers and that we're not alone. Lord, thank you for sending us battle buddies. Thank you for sending us our spouse and our friends, our ministry groups, people who take care of us and people that you would want us to take care of. Lord, open our eyes to see who those battle buddies are. And Lord, give us the courage to come alongside them and to truly have their backs as well as be open enough for them to see who we truly are and what we truly need. Lord, we love you and we want to honor you and your will. So, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit to be everything for others that you would want us to be. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I do believe the... um,